0: consumers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz. The month of February is celebrated for many reasons, but this episode of the podcast is dedicated to celebrating the Black consumer market. We did a similar episode two years ago where we talked about why businesses need to step up their focus on Black consumers, including highlighting some areas where they were being underserved despite over-indexing when it came to providing opportunity for a business. A lot has changed in two years, and we thought we'd revisit the topic and see where strides have been made and where there's still room to grow with increasing diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, and just move in directions that make business dollars and cents. To help me share a few facts and figures, I've invited back multicultural marketing expert and my fellow Clariton, Ron Cohen, VP of Practice Leadership. I also have the pleasure of interviewing Lydia Smith, Chief Diversity Officer at Victoria's Secret, a little later on the show. But first, Ron, thank you for always answering my call to be a guest on the podcast.
1: Always a pleasure, Monique.
0: (laughs) Since we're in the middle of Black History Month, we want to shine a light on the Black consumer market and what marketers need to do to reach and engage them, since they're still underrepresented in many areas. But it is important to first know a little bit about the market. What's changed since our last Black Consumer Market podcast about two years ago?
1: Well, we do have fresh estimates out. We're estimating now the black population in the US at over 43 million. That's about an 11% increase since the 2010 census, which is a a pretty good growth rate. And the growth rate has slowed. So we're projecting it to grow um, more slowly going forward, but it is growing unlike the non-Hispanic white population, which is shrinking both in absolute terms and is a percentage of the total. Every day, the the income is also growing. We're estimating income uh, just under forty nine thousand uh, for black households this year. That was that's significantly up from the two thousand and ten census when it was just under thirty thousand, mm. and we're projecting it'll jump to fifty five thousand five hundred or so in five years. Now those numbers are still below other consumer segments, but they are trending in a positive direction. And if you want to know more about how to reach and engage the black consumer segment, we have a new report that'll be out later this month that goes into their tech behaviors. Awesome.
0: So to prepare for this episode I read a lot of reports from our friends in the industry in addition to looking at a sneak preview of that report that you just mentioned and it is clear that black consumers spend more time with media than probably any other consumer group. So how should a marketer leverage that knowledge and put it into action with their advertising efforts?
1: Well, digital advertising channels are still going to be more cost effective. Okay. Right? Versus Print or, or other offline direct mail. You know, the, the cost per thousand for online advertising, display, social media, et cetera, ranges from just over three to around $10 per thousand. Whereas the cost per thousand for traditional offline advertising, you know, radio, newspaper, direct mail is way in excess of $20. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get more return on your investment if you if you do it properly with, with, with digital channels. Mm-hmm. Do you want to get the most out of your advertising budget and as you said uh, the 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 black consumer is in probably more media engaged than any other consumer segment and that goes especially for digital channels. Mm-hmm. So a multi-channel campaign, you know, where you're doing some combination of of email uh, social media and some form of display advertising is is likely to be very effective and I think there was a stat from salesforce that said it takes on average eight touch points to close a sale so the more channels the more messages the faster you close
0: data does show that consumers are more likely to respond or react or engage with a brand if they feel like they're being represented right
1: sure you know uh, if you want to Make sure your marketing is diverse so you're not just showing one type of consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's kind of a no-brainer, right? And even... To reach black consumers, you know, there are nuances within within that segment. You need to look at, you know, socioeconomic status. You need to look at languages, for example, if you're yep. in New Orleans or Miami, there's, there are several languages you may need to be communicating in in order to reach your target. All right. So
0: I, I know it seems like we only just got started in our conversation, but let me go ahead and ask you one last question before I bring in my next guest, Lydia, because I've got a handful for her as well. How can a marketer measure the success of their advertising to black consumers or any consumer for that matter to know that they're both reaching and converting them?
1: Yeah, so the answer for to, to that question is the same for black consumers as it would be for any consumer. You you need to be able to measure the effectiveness of your, your campaign, make sure your messages are being seen, and and be able to measure conversions, right? So that you can uh determine your return on investment. It's, it's, it's no different for black consumers than as it would be for any consumers, from basic metrics all the way through to attribution and, and lift, uh, so that you know not only who's converting, but through what channels mm-hmm. uh, were are most effective.
0: And we'll put in the show notes a little bit more information about that if you are looking for a measurement partner to help you with your campaigns or even a, uh, a partner to help you through the full spectrum of marketing. So, Ron, it is always a pleasure to have you on the podcast, so thank you for joining me.
1: Always a pleasure to be here, Monique. Thank you. All
0: right. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick water break, and when I come back, I'll be joined by my next guest. We're back, and I have Lydia Smith, the Chief Diversity Officer at Victoria's Secret with me. Lydia, welcome to The Marketing Insider.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: We're very happy to have you. So you and I have been chatting back and forth via email for a little bit now, but this is the first time that some of our listeners are hearing your voice. So can you give them a little bit of a background on yourself just so they can get to know you better before we jump into the questions I have for you?
2: Absolutely. I have been at Victoria's Secret and Company since June. I've been working in the DEI space for over 13 years. But my background is actually in business and marketing, but was always, you know, doing the, the volunteer roles in DEI, recruiting, um, leading ERGs, and eventually decided to pursue my passion around DEI. I'm excited to be in this new role with Victoria's Secret and really being able to champion um, how we're leveraging diversity, equity, and inclusion to really transform our brand and grow our business.
0: I love that. And so Chief Diversity Officer, it's not a new title, but it is one that we've kind of seen more attention on in the last, I would say, two or so years, especially. Can you let us know, why is it important for a company to have a Chief Diversity Officer? And what is it about championing diversity in the workplace, especially when you're looking at a brand like Victoria's Secret that you find most rewarding?
2: For me, it's always been about people. I think maybe historically, we have missed out on the opportunity to really leverage DE&I as a business lever, mm-hmm. right? There's a business case for diversity, equity, and inclusion. When you think about the buying power um, you know, in multicultural markets, when you think about the data that's out there that talks about companies are more innovative, they are higher performing when they have diverse teams. It's more than just pecking a box or affirmative action and making sure that we meet representation numbers, it really is about leveraging this as a, a practitioner if you will, to grow your business. And so what I find most rewarding in this space is when people finally get it, mm-hmm. they, they see it not as something that they have to do, um, you know, that I'm, I'm not the compliance police, but I'm looked at as a partner that's what makes my role so rewarding at Victoria's Secret and Company. And I think that's the evolution of this chief diversity officer role
0: Right around the time you joined uh, Victoria's Secret, they kind of undertook a major rebrand and CEO Martin Waters said the move was in an effort to be more inclusive and representative of, of consumers and less of that somewhat of unattainable image that the brand had become known for. So does your internal work influence how the company goes to market with their product lineup and or advertising efforts at all?
2: Absolutely. Okay. There is a member of my team who, her title is uh, Manager of DEI Communications. And we did that not just from a written or communication standpoint, but more so her role is really focusing on partnering with our marketing, communications, creative, design, Mm -hmm. operations, all of those teams across the business understanding their timelines and life cycle as they're going to market with their various strategies. And then how do we embed diversity, equity, and inclusion into their Mm timeline? So that we're a part of the discussions when we're talking about products, when we're talking about marketing campaigns, we're talking about models where, you know, all of those types of things, DEI and, and having that lens, that perspective needs to be a part of those conversations. And That's what I'm really proud of, the fact that we are are figuring out how to embed the perspective from our team Mm -hmm. into their normal processes.
0: So I mentioned doing a little bit of research in preparation for this episode. And part of that brought me to a stat that says the average tenure for a CDO role is only about three years. And that's due in part to challenges with getting support from senior executives, or lack of resources and expectations not necessarily being met. So what do you see as some of the some of the biggest issues with retaining talent in these roles? And what do you think brands and companies need to do to show true commitment to diversity with their internal staff?
2: That's a great question. (laughs) It's it's an interesting one because the challenge here is every company is at a different space, if you will, on their own journey as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Very true. That probably, in in part, uh, impacts the tenure of a CDO. Because if you come in and an organization is very early on in their journey, a lot of times the work is going to look very different as you progress through different spaces. And sometimes that attrition is natural because during that three-year time, you're, you're, ta- you're moving them from one space to the next. And then it's kind of like, okay, now we need a new vision, right? We need not a whole new plan, but what's next for us. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's, okay, bringing in fresh talent, fresh ideas to, to get us to this next space. But as it relates to the commitment, I think it really is holding leaders accountable. In this space, it can't fit with your CHRO, your CEO and your CDO, right? It has to be how are all of our senior executives being held accountable for the results that we want to achieve as a company. Um, and there's different ways to do that, whether it's goals, whether it's tying, you know, um, the goals to compensation. I don't think there's a right or a wrong answer personally, mm-hmm. but I know that it, it just cannot fit with a CDO and a CHRO. And if I'm thinking about my peers and when that frustration comes and, and when there are issues with retaining talent, it's typically because they don't have that buy-in to the point of true accountability and responsibility for leaders across the organization as it relates to diversity.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, everybody wants a seat at the table. Exactly. So we're currently celebrating Black History Month, and this time of year, you'll see retailers launching campaigns that center around celebrating Black consumers. A lot have done a great job of doing this in an authentic and collaborative way, while others have come under fire for coming across disingenuous or exploitative or something else equally disappointing. Why do you think that brands are still taking missteps in their multicultural marketing strategies in 2022? And how do we put a stop to that for once and for all? To
2: be honest, I think the number one reason is because we still have work to do in terms of having diverse representation on the teams that are making decisions about these strategies and how we show up. The best way to ensure that you're showing up in an organic, authentic, meaningful, and impactful way is to have Black voices at the creative table when you are building these strategies a year out, right? Companies are planning their strategies for 2023 right now. They're having discussions. So if at those top-level discussions, you don't have the voices and representation from the community, then there's a good chance that down the line, you'll probably have some missteps. Um, or if you're you're going to get that, that perspective or voice at the end and you really just are asking them to bless what you've already developed and created. What we can all learn is having the seat at the table, having the voices at the beginning is super important. And then I think collaboration is is so important. I think what consumers are looking to see now, it's, it's not just about the celebration aspect and bringing attention or doing it in a performative way for brands to make money. It mm-hmm. really is about education, advocating, using your platform to drive economic empowerment for the community. So how are you partnering with other businesses founders Mm -hmm. and and what does that look like how are you really using your platform and then ensuring that it's not just happening during february i think that's the other big thing anytime that consumers feel like this is performative they're only doing this this month and then we don't hear from them for the rest of the year right no matter how well intentioned you are it's not gonna land um So I think those points are just really important for brands to start thinking about now (laughs) for next
0: year. One month doesn't cut it. It's got to be part of the everyday strategy.
2: That's another thing that's important is if you get to know us as consumers, Mm -hmm. then you'll be able to figure out the ways to connect on an authentic level. So we could talk about, okay, we know there's food and music and different things like that, but that's a very surface level Mm -hmm. celebration. There's so much more depth to who we are as a people in a community. So if you invest that time to really get to understand, then that's how you come up with campaign or wh- whatever you know you want to do to recognize the month, but that it, it lands in an authentic place.
0: One way that marketers can ensure that they're reaching underrepresented consumers who may, in fact, make up their ideal consumer audience is by leveraging data from reputable providers. Now, I know this isn't exactly in your department, but what kind of actionable data does Victoria's Secret find important? And how should brands be measuring their effectiveness at achieving this goal of reaching?
2: That's a great question. And it's not, you're right, it's not exactly in my area, but this is a key relationship that we've built between our DEI team and our Consumer Insights team. We can look at the data that we collect on the back end and then add the demographics to it and understand what's the difference between women in general, but then when we look specifically at women of color, then we look specifically at Black women or Latino women, how, what are the differences in the data that we're looking at? But it's more than that, it's actually getting an understanding of how might we even need to ask the question differently, right? And how are we partnering with experts? in this space as it relates to capturing data and insights because the question that i ask a caucasian woman during a focus group so that i can understand what she needs or what she may be missing from her lingerie i may need to ask that question differently for a woman of color or particularly Mm -hmm. for a black woman based on experience based on perception and so what, what we're really trying to understand is what are those differences? what what What's the same and what are those nuances mm-hmm. and how can we then pull out those nuances and, and lean into them to better relate to our customer? That's where the data becomes so important and actually the intersection between the insights and the data and how are we applying that diversity and inclusion lens to the data that we already have. It, Going back to that point I made earlier, that's what enables us to connect with our customers on an authentic level, on a a place where they can really relate to what we're doing, as opposed to, I always say there's a difference from not being exclusive. So there's a difference from just checking the box and say, oh yeah, we we didn't leave anyone out versus intentionally being inclusive and saying, if I want this person to feel like I did this specifically for them. I'm speaking directly to them. I want them to to feel included. There's a difference.
0: And I think that's a, a great place for us to wrap up. So mm-hmm. Lydia, it has been a pleasure getting your insight on this episode, even though it was a short conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So before I do let you go, where can our listeners go to connect with you? And is there anything that Victoria's Secret is doing that you want to give a plug
2: connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the best way. Um, It's just Lydia Smith on LinkedIn. And um, we are really excited for a new line that is launching. So definitely keep an eye out. You will hear and see more for sure.
0: Awesome. And we'll make sure to put uh, your LinkedIn in our show notes. So listeners, if you want to connect with Lydia, you can go to the show notes and access the link there. So that's all the time we have for this month's episode. I do want to, again, thank my two guests, Ron Cohen and Lydia Smith. And I also want to thank those of you listening at home or on the go. Please take a moment to follow the Marketing Insider so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice. Our favorite, of course, being Spotify. And share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. And with that, we'll see you next time with a brand new episode. Bye now.